Think about what you did. <laughs> Nobody makes it to the end of these things. Come on. <laughs> the Broken Agenda Podcast. Sponsored by Laughing Rock Technology. <laughs> Single time I hear him talk, he seems to blast the right. And he seems to get a moderate right. <laughs> he, he does, he even, he blasts the moderate left. Like, when mm-hmm. did, was he always that extreme? I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen him. I didn't realize he, was like, he seems more like a liberal. He's a super liberal. Yeah. But what, what, um, what was the show he was on? The Man Show? Was he the Man Show? He was on the Man Show. I didn't know, man. He was on the, wasn't he? Wasn't it him and Adam Carolla? Yeah, it was him and Adam Carolla. And then Doug Stanhope and Joe Rogan were the second host to it. See, I always think of Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan, and I know they never hosted it together. No. But in my mind, those are the two that ran the Man Show. Yeah. So Man Show was the dumbest thing ever. But at least I never thought it would produce Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't know. That guy disgusts me. He's just kind of a wiener, too. And is he cross-eyed or not? Like, what is going on with his face? Like, is he... I feel I like he's really. never looking at me. Like, like I don't know. Is that is that me? I never really was bothered by Jimmy Kimmel. No. What was he saying? On, what were you listening to? Um, it was something he was blasting the Texas people about the gun control stuff. What about the Wait, gun control stuff? What did they? Was it? Well, just because they said, like, I mean, what he said was funny, because they said, "Oh, it's not a gun problem; it's a door problem." <laughs> They should have had oh. all the other doors locked and like, armed guards at the front. So basically, it should be a prison. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Actually, so, it was a, it was a, I mean, it, he made sense with what his, his backlash was. Yeah. Gotcha. In the sense that locking down the school turns into a prison, you mean? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, my kids' schools doors are all locked. You have access through one point. I don't necessarily think it's a prison. Kids can get out. Yeah, you gotta but get, people can't get in. Yeah, my school's yeah. the same way. You gotta get buzzed in. Mm-hmm. So, and I know the high schools and the junior highs all have armed police. The elementary schools do not. I can't remember. So, I, I can't remember if they still have school resource officers. Well, I that's, think they do. I guess that's why the gunner went to the elementary school. Yeah. He chose wisely. Yeah, yeah but I think yeah. that school district had their own police force. Like, not just school resource officers, like their own police force. Yeah, but usually when they have those, they're not thinking about active shooters. I mean, active shooters are so rare. Like, I think that's that's the thing that we don't think about, is the rarity of an active shooter at a school is like, I think, what, what is the stat? You'd have to get struck by lightning like seven times or something like that? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, any mass shooting in general is extremely, extremely rare. Yeah. Wow. Typical mass shootings, not necessarily how they classify mass shootings. Well, that's a totally um, different thing we'll talk about today. But but I, I think I had seen that that police department had just trained for a active shooter at a school a oh, week geez. before. Like literally the week before. Did they really? Something like that, yeah. And wow. they did nothing that they were trained to, to do. <sighs> I have not followed this story that much, so you guys are going to have to enlighten me. I mean, obviously I know the broad strokes. So what we're talking about, if anybody's not sure or if you're watching this a year from now, uh, so we're talking about the, the Texas shoot. How do you pronounce the, the Ovida? Ovaldi. Ovaldi. Something like that. Yeah. Is that what it is? Uh, the shooting there where I, I believe it was 19 kids were killed and two teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, which is obviously, I mean, no matter when you're watching this, that's a tragedy. It's, that's going to be awful. 
And of course, we're all in the, the, the big discussion now about how do, how do we fix it, which I, I always think that's a little silly. Um, who was it? I mean, it's, it's never a good decision to make decisions emotionally when emotions are amped mm -hmm. up like that's never a good a good time to make these types of calls like you want to sit down you want to look at stats you want to analyze and figure out what's going to work you don't just want to be like i don't know you know kill all the 18 year olds or whatever it is that you decide in that moment because you're upset i mean i don't know what do you think <laughs> it's probably a lot of uh it's probably a bad time to make decisions so I, you know, well i mean so let's talk about right. this the three of us so they're talking about it in congress <laughs> but those people are morons we're obviously geniuses so like, what is, is there a solution? Like, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've asked myself this question. Uh, is there really something you can do? It's a catch-22, man. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. It seems stupid. It seems dumb to say that, oh, no, we don't. There's a school shooting. We need more guns. The teachers should have guns. There should be armed guards. It seems silly to say that. But at the same time, I think we all know in our hearts that they want to take the guns because they want, you know. Well, the funny thing about that. They want to take the guns because they want to control. They just, you know, I don't know. There's there's a sad story, I think, at the, at the day when there's no more guns. Cause well, then, that, that's, that's, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, no matter how many people say it will never happen here, it will never happen here. There's plenty of real world examples where firearms were taken away. And oh, then, yeah. I mean, look at Australia. We haven't had a mass shooting, but our government put us in concentration well, camps. Well, not only that, but their violent crime rate is up. Mm -hmm. It has been since the... It went down temporarily after they took away the guns, and it's been up ever since. I think it went down for one year. And then it's been up. Um, violent crime has been up every year since they took away guns. So, and they've, we've seen that in almost every single case where guns are taken away. Actually, uh, when it comes to gun-free zones like schools, something like, what is it? It's almost 100% of all mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. So creating a zone where you're telling people there definitely won't be armed opposition is creating what, uh, inherently a soft target. It is. I mean, it is, yeah. You're I mean, literally telling people that want to do bad, here's a place where you can do bad and nobody will stop you. Nobody's so, walking into a police department and trying to shoot them all up. Or if they do, they're not making it long. They don't make it very far. So, And we hear stories all the time of, of open carry churches and stuff where people come in to shoot the place up and they get gunned down before they even mm -hmm. get a word out Yeah, because everybody's carrying I don't know. I, I personally don't understand why if you've got a trained, certified teacher who's, I mean, I, I carry, I know you carry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't think there'd be a shooter in the school if every teacher was well, I don't like every carrying. teacher. Like there's going to be teachers aren't going to want to, there's going to be teachers that are comfortable, yeah. but there, I guarantee you there are teachers in these schools that are like, Oh yeah, well, I leave school and I go to the range and I shoot or I go and I shoot shotgun. I go and shoot clays. You know, or I go and I hunt. Like, this is a very common thing. Like, there's a reason why so many people are pro-gun. It's not because we're crazy gun people. It's because, you know, they're tools. And just, I'm also pro-hammer. Yeah. I really like my hammer. You know, I got a big ball-peen hammer. It's awesome. I'm very pro-hammer. I love that hammer. <laughs> I think I, that's what you have to think about once guns are gone. Would you rather, then you think about, would you rather be killed by a... Uh, a hammer or a gun? <laughs> I, I don't want to be killed by anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Would you anti, rather have your skull smashed killed. in with a hammer? Yeah. I mean, it does sound delightful. It's, it sounds fine. It's fine. No, I do not want to have my skull smashed in <laughs> We really went right into this. We yeah, should. I didn't. I didn't think we were going to jump right in. I thought, <laughs> I thought we'd tiptoe around the edges here for a while. But sorry, I dragged us in. 
I don't know. I, I honestly don't have a problem with arming teachers. I, I, I think school budgets are tight enough as it is and we spend money like we're printing it because we are. I don't think we need to hire people to work at every single school in America just to do you know security. But isn't that pretty standard across schools now, having some sort of school resource officer? Most schools partner with their local law enforcement. Right, yeah. So, you usually partner with your local law enforcement and they assign yes, an officer. Yes, they'll assign an officer that's going to be there during the day and they're going to rove between the schools or maybe a couple depending on the size of your district. Um, but again, still, that's all taxpayer dollars. And so, you, I mean, you're hiring a ton more people. You need to make sure you have a, an armed presence paid for mm. at every single school. I mean, I know my school district alone, there's what, five elementary buildings, two middle schools, and a high school. So you've got, what, eight you know, full-time employees and to be there every single day just to provide armed security, assuming that you just have one per school. Yeah. So and the high school's pretty big. You might need multiple. I don't know. Whereas I think you, die, you sidestep that whole issue by just having what essentially comes down to what were the air marshals? Mm-hmm. You know, teachers that are concealed carried. Yep. That are certified by the school. They go through a training course. And I mean, there's another thing. I understand why. I don't understand why we don't have first time gun owners have to have training courses. Like, my wife's going through it right now. She's going through a training course because she never owned her own gun before. I got her a pistol for Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's how you know the romance is gone. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> used to be jewelry and all sorts of other stuff. Now it's like, here's a way for you to put me out of my misery. It would be because you're creating a de facto registry. Okay, I can see so that. So you're, you're essentially saying you don't get this gun until you completed this. Now we have record that you completed this. So that tells us you have a gun. When te- I mean, technically those records exist, but the government does not have access to them until... Uh, we can talk about the ATF too, but... Um, there's not, by the constitutional law, there's not allowed to be a registry of firearm owners. That's in the Constitution? I think it's it's part of it's been ruled on that they cannot have an active registry of who owns a firearm. Definitely in Pennsylvania. I know for 100% fact in Pennsylvania there can be no registry. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Is that a state law then, or is that like it went through the Supreme Court? I think that's in our, our federal, or I'm sorry, no, our state constitution. That All right, can we got to look that up. Yeah. Actually, can you look that up on yeah. camera? Yep. I'll awesome. That. We can do the intro to the show while he's looking that up. We're already 11 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) There ain't no intro to the show. We just roll right in, buddy. Um, All right, so that's a good point. But you could you could still do training without a registry. You just work through third parties, right? And you and you see you see a large that that is very common now with a lot of gun shops. I mean, even the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. If you go in for a CCW, your first CCW uh, permit, mm-hmm. they offer classes right there at the sheriff's office. The sheriffs run it and stuff, and you can take those classes. You don't have to. And but they, what, what's a CCW? Uh, sorry, concealed carry uh, weapon permit. That, so, like, it, Pennsylvania is an LTCF, licensed to carry a firearm. So, uh, sorry, yeah, I didn't know sorry, everybody no, knew it. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Did you find it? Yeah, this is, this is in so Pennsylvania. Section chapter of the country, nothing this chapter shall be construed to allow any government or law enforcement agency or agent thereof to create, maintain, or operate any registry of firearm ownership within this commonwealth. Uh, Get out of here. Yeah, so. So that's a 1995 amendment to our state constitution. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Okay, I did not know that existed. Yeah, uh, I know Texas gets all the credit for their firearms laws, but Pennsylvania is one of the strongest in terms of constitutionally protected firearms rights. Well, I mean, I, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I know a lot of people that own firearms, and we don't see any type of gun violence around here, but we're very gun-friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not weird to have a gun in where I live. Like, it's, everybody's got them. Everybody, people talk about them. There's no stigma with them. It's not like it's a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Kids see them. You know, they, a lot of them I shoot when my daughter was nine. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think a lot of this comes down to the forbidden fruit factor. I mean, you got these 18-year-olds that it always seems to be young people that are coming out and, you know, attracted to this type of violence. But, you know, we've turned this into basically a fear factor. You know, we've turned guns into some sort of boogeyman. And now, mm-hmm. you know, you've got people that are always going to be attracted to these things that people are afraid of. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like this is a monster that we've created because we've turned we've turned guns into something that they're not. We've turned them into something more than a tool. Now there's some sort of dangerous thing that will destroy all humanity if you ever come near one. Run away, cover your eyes if you see somebody carrying. Run, little girl. It's like, no, it's, you know, police officers carry. I love how we, we, we shun people who carry guns, but we celebrate people that come to help you who also carry guns. Mm-hmm. Like we have these double standards all over the place. So the only real difference between a police officer carrying a gun and a, and a civilian is the type of training they went through. And maybe not even. I mean, the type of training I took is the well, same that's thing a pretty that, big difference. that the police department takes. I mean, that's a pretty significant difference. What's that, police? So, that they're trained. So police are trained in the academy. There are a lot of police forces that do not require them to continue their training. Uh, they don't even have to go to the range and shoot their gun. You'll, you'll find civilians who train more than a lot of police officers. Yes. Um, just go to a, any open public range. You'll see the same people there. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of obviously officers who train with their weapons, but there are also a lot of departments that do not require any kind of qualification or anything of that nature. The other thing is the type of training they go through is not very different from the type of training you would go through if you were to take the NRA training course mm-hmm. at your local gun shop. It's really not that different. No. It's, I mean, there's some differences, but it's basically the same concepts. So, and that's what, that's what I always recommend. Just take this the is, NRA course. This is an interesting uh, situation here because... Like on one on one hand, I understand why the people resist a registry, but on the other hand, I see the complication of not having one. Why? It's, What's the complication? Well, what would it have helped? I guess is the real question. How would a what, so? What do you, what do you know about? So I don't know. What, what was this situation with this previous shooter? This last school? one. The school did one? he did he was he, he a registered firearm? He turned eighteen. He went and bought two guns, shot his grandmother, and then shot a school. Up. Yeah. That's, yeah, but he was, it was so he, he, bought he basically legally. just bought them. He bought them legally. Now he legally was the that, first one. He was the first mass shooting that I could think of that actually his, went out and bought them. Bought legally. his own guns. Yeah. So this so of all the mass shootings we've had since, since Columbine, he was the only one that ever that went out and bought his firearms. Everybody else either stole them from a parent or someone else or. The only one I can't remember is the Virginia Tech guy. I don't know about that. But I feel like there was something fishy with the way he obtained his firearms. Something. I do know the guy out in Vegas owned all of his firearms. Yeah. Those were his. But he breaks all the rules. Like, he Mm -hmm. doesn't, like, he's not young. He didn't, there's no reason. Yeah, we already talked about him. So, but, yeah, nine times out of ten, it's not. I guess it doesn't do any good if you had a registry. What does that matter? What does it matter if they knew he was a gun owner? It It doesn't matter until he does the wrong thing with it. It wouldn't have mattered. And and they talk about red flag laws. That wouldn't have mattered 
Um, uh, universal background checks would not have mattered in any of these because at no point was it somebody giving somebody else a gun. In fact, the kid in Texas, he asked his sister to buy a gun and give it to him, and she said no. She was like, no. But it wouldn't have mattered anyway because even if you make transfers, universal transfers, a requirement, it doesn't mean she can't buy a gun and give it to him. It just means that now she's on the hook after he shoots somebody up because he because she didn't register the transfer of the firearm. So it doesn't really change a whole lot. None of these things are solved by these by by these laws. So and, and the red flag laws, there's no evidence they help either. Um, Actually, red flag yeah, here they so a red flag law is like if you're saying things, Jimmy, that I don't like or. I think you could harm yourself. I can or others or others. I can tell the police and they can come confiscate your weapons mm. until you've proven you can't be. But the ability to prove yourself innocent is much harder. Yeah. Essentially, you never get your guns back. So it's, it's, it's the epitome of guilty until proven innocent. And then you can really like then you can really uh, exploit that because you can take people's guns for any reason. Yeah. yeah. Just if I don't like you. Yeah. Yep. You can just say my my neighbor makes me nervous, and they've said some things that make me uncomfortable, and then the police have now have justification to come into your home and take your property. I have a real problem with red flag laws, and my my ultimate problem with red flag laws is in almost every single one of these shooting situations, all of these people were on watch lists. We were aware there were indications that the police had been notified that there was something, and instead of getting involved. It, it, it's with they're all missed opportunities it's this kid that did the just did the texas shooting was yes what was he on the watch list for he wasn't on a watch list he had been uh reported for making threats and he actually said oh, that's he was, right did, i did hear that social media stuff yeah he yeah. said he was gonna shoot up a school didn't he uh he said something like uh kids better watch out something like that yeah yeah and something of that nature somebody reported him and he so, took a picture of the gun and said kids better watch out that's how it was. Yeah. That's wow. us, yeah. So man, he's 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 a hero running into an elementary school and Well, I mean that's the thing. What is, like, like what is the mentality? What are kids better watch out. Little kids. Like Well, I mean that there's your problem, right? Like we don't even have a framework for what's driving this stuff. To me that and this is uh, armchair psychiatry, but it just sounds like he had some sort of trauma that happened in his youth. That yep. he blames other kids and blames everybody who's young or something. Of How that could nature. you go that young? Like what happened at that age? That That's was that I, like to try to put ourselves in the mind of like, I'm in firearms. I get upset, but I've never once thought, I should get a gun and go shoot a bunch of people. Like, like that's, elementary that never kids. never crosses my mind in my I entire can, life. I can it's understand. It's never even occurred to me to get my gun for any reason like that. Exactly. Like, it's never even crossed my mind. Exactly. I, I can I can understand high school shooting. You know what I mean? Not that I, I, not I that mean, I that I understand. But you're it, bullied. But I can sem I can I can understand you that. Really see the emotion. This one this one sense. is like kind of flabbergasting. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how this is just like crazy. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's the problem we're in right now. We want to stop this, but we don't have any solutions. So we're going to grab on anything we think might make sense. And the, the, the phrase I keep hearing that bothers me the most is when they talk about red flag laws and they talk about universal background checks and they talk about the universal registries and all this other stuff. Whenever somebody in government is asked, will this solve our problems? They always say the same thing. This will be a great framework to start with. They're very open about the fact that this is not what they want. 
But if we get this, then we can start working towards the next thing and then the next thing. And the ultimate goal is no guns. Look at New York. I mean, New York ended up getting to a point where the only way you could buy a gun to get a, the only way you could get a license to carry a firearm is if you could show cause and you can't show cause. It's not possible. I mean, Glenn Beck was actually being, he had, was having death threats and his life was being threatened on a regular basis. He had armed security with him at all times and they denied him and said, you can't show a, a, an unusual need. I don't remember what the exact words are in the New York law. I think it just got struck down, didn't it? The so the New York law that was supposed to go to the Supreme Court? It just got struck down. So that, that law was specific to um, New York wasn't allowing anybody, how did it work? You had to have a concealed carry permit in order to go to the range with your firearm. You could buy a firearm, but you had to have a concealed carry permit, which was impossible to get in New York City. Right. Um, I think that's how it worked. There was something else with it, too. Like, they were, they essentially said anybody who leaves their house with a gun is now a felon. Yes. Deal. That got to the Supreme Court. They got rid of it because the Supreme Court was going to uh, hear the tr- hear the case. Uh, well, they did just lose one. Down. They just lost one. Oh, no, they're not, they didn't lose it yet. It's... I think they're waiting for the ruling to come out, but they yeah. know they're going to lose. They just don't know how they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when politicians pass, try to pass blatantly unlawful, uh, like laws like that, I think they should come up on charges. Like nobody, that, that to me is a, was a, was a scandalous, like attempt to pass a law, and that should be that should be like scrutinized. Well, that's the norm anymore. Yeah. You can't you can't like. Like you can't that that's just really wrong to do that. Well, you're you're skirting the Second Amendment. You're saying well, you can still own a gun, you just can't buy it and transport it back to your house because as soon as you leave the building, you're now a felon. Yeah. And if you do manage to get it back to your house, if you ever take it out of your house, you're a felon. But we're not saying you can't own a gun. You yeah. just can't ever look at it or touch it or pick yeah. it up. See, that's a cr- that's a criminal passing a law. Well, and not only that, but that makes gun violence more dangerous. So the one time that person's ever going to use their gun is going to be in a heated situation with adrenaline pumping when somebody's in their house and they're more inclined to hurt themselves or others because they have no training. So now you're, you're still allowing them to own guns, but you're not allowing them to train. You're not allowing them to take courses. You're not allowing them to go to the range and hone their skills. You're not allowing them to get responsible and comfortable with the firearm. You're making them basically more dangerous instead of less. So at that point, you're exacerbating the situation. I mean, that's, that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But I, I, I guarantee you, when I first started shooting, if somebody had broken into my house that weekend, there was no way that was going well for me. Because I, there's no way with adrenaline pumping through my, my veins and, and with my limited knowledge of my brand new firearm that I was going to do all of the steps correctly to protect myself and my family. Yeah, there's just, it was never going to happen. So now thousands of rounds through my sidearm and tons of time at the range and training and everything else like there's muscle memory involved you know i know exactly how all the safeties work i know exactly how to make sure my gun's loaded and make sure how to deal with the jam how to make sure that you know well most self-defense situations it's not going to be a crowd of people around you know it's sort of an isolated incident so i don't know i don't see how denying people training necessarily makes it like well, there I mean, is a crowd around your family. I, I believe that mm-hmm. people, you know, should have the, well, first of all, the whole wall was just screwy. So what they did was wrong. I mean, it's, they shouldn't prevent people from training. <laughs> and they shouldn't, you know, just the whole outline of that, of the attempt to pass that law was really 
like a crime in well, itself. How long, that law was in effect for like a decade, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a while before uh, yeah. the like gun rights group in New York challenged it. Finally. And it was upstate New yeah. York. There's a couple people. And so the the judge and everybody who signed that bill should be brought up on charges. Who's going to charge really? Because, well, I guess. You know what I mean? Why didn't they bring? Why didn't? They should be able to. We can't even get Epstein's. Why can't list. you charge them? Why, <laughs> like, if they're criminals you think posing, charge them over that law. <laughs> they're criminals posing as politicians. How oh. could you not bring them up on charges? Hey, do you remember that one time <laughs> I did a favor for you? Do one for me now. Yeah. If I go down, you're all going down with me. So why don't we just bury this thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I come on. I mean, they're crooked. It's, they're crooked as crap. New York's awful. It's my uh, my brother works in insurance, and he does subrogation, so he fights with lawyers. So they have, it's a national insurance company, I can't say the name obviously, um, and they work in every state in the country, and there's two states where they have dedicated teams. Guess which two states? New York, California. New York and California. It is so screwed up in New York and California that not only is it like working in a different country where you have to learn totally different laws, but it takes an entire team of people to do what it takes one or two people to do in every other state. Because it is so complicated, ridiculous, convoluted, and messed up, they actually pay these people more. That's how horrible it is to deal with California and New York. They will pay you more because people refuse to do the job. Like, I, I don't understand how we still have... Well, their populations are, are much more dense, right? I mean, they have a higher population. And I mean, not really, upstate New areas. York is empty. You've got New York City. But the rest of New York, I mean, around the lakes, you've got a pretty dense population. Well, I don't and think they're, they're, ma- they're not writing their laws because of the areas around the lakes. They're writing their they're laws writing based New York City. City. New, New York City, City drives, you know, New York. Well, I mean, if you look at California, there is a huge conservative base in California. They definitely don't live within three miles of the beach, though. There's, yeah, there's a big push in California to separate, separate into two the north. states. Yep. Make Northern California a different state. So the north is just like, I don't know, central Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's a lot of farmers and people living up in the woods, and, and they just want freedom, and they're sick of being tethered to L.A. Yep. <coughs> and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I mean, those two cities are brutal. What I don't understand is how is Oregon so bad? What happens so to those you, people? You see, and it's, it's just California runoff, right? Um, you see Denver is the one I always like to use as an example. Colorado is an extremely free state, Midwest state. Ex-Californians are like, we got to get out of California because it sucks. And they go there and they start, well, it's we like this thing, we like this thing. And then slowly things start going uh, becomes back to California. So like Denver is very California-ish. And they, they actually put a lot of gun bans in place, like magazine uh, limitations and stuff, within the last five, ten years. Uh, but before it was just, you know, Magpul was from Colorado. And then they did this ban and Magpul said, we're out. <laughs> Pull their whole industry out. Don't California my state? That's what it is. I mean, it's the same thing with New York, right? We have people jumping out of New York, coming down to the Poconos and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. My in-laws live in the Poconos, and they're losing their minds right now. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're just ruining everything. They just These people aren't realizing that they're part of the reason why things are so bad. They are the reason they why are. So bad. Yeah, You're bringing your problems with you mm-hmm. while you're trying to get away from those very same problems. Yeah. But they refuse to admit they're wrong, so they hide behind the idea of cheap real estate. Yep. Like, no, 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 we don't. New York is still great. We just, you know, we, we just want to find a more affordable place for our family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, why? Because that, that $12,000 a month one-bedroom apartment isn't working for you <laughs> for five people? You're like, you created this situation, and now you're running away and doing it all over again. It's, it's like a virus. It multiplies. 
Well, I guess I guess it's the old it's the middle of the road, right? Like you know, there's probably there's good things about being there that when they come out, you know, they it's like you know it's it's kind of that meeting in the middle. They bring a a, a little bit more um, a wider range of thinking to a closer close-minded group and you know i don't know sometimes so, sometimes i think that see, Eric, I, would, I would disagree with the internet we all have access to pretty much all the same ideas i would say they bring their own narrow thinking into an area that doesn't necessarily want it and they impose their will it is more like totalitarianism so we already know what these ideas and what these concepts do to the large cities I mean, we've all seen. Let's let's talk about what these people are actually bringing to the Poconos. Like, what is the what is the what is it that they're wrecking the cities with? What ideology? I am not what qualified to have this conversation. <laughs> I hear my father-in-law <laughs> bitching and I gotta be honest, I don't talk. I don't listen that much. I, he just goes off and off and off about it. I know. Um, um, I mean, the people that are moving out and running are, you uh, know. I mean, the first thing you always hear in these in these areas where you have these big influxes is prices go through the roof. That's the first thing you hear. Because, you know, you've got different socioeconomic statuses. So the Poconos, the average you know, median income per family might be per family per year, might be $50,000 a year. And you might live pretty well on $50,000 a year. It is just not that expensive to live there. But, you know, when you start getting this mass exodus from New York, you know, a house that was maybe $120,000, they're well, willing to pay $400,000 for it because compared to New York pricing, They'd pay that just for the land. So all the first thing they always see is the when, when they see these mass influxes of people from larger cities is prices skyrocket. But the incomes don't change. So you don't you don't see that catch up. So everything goes through the roof, the income doesn't follow, and then you end up with basically a surf class. So you have all the people that were originally there that do not do not live, they're not living off the incomes that the New York people are still working in New York, but living in in let's say the Poconos. So they're maybe making a quarter million dollars a year and you're making $50,000 a year and now you have you have clashing socioeconomic and somebody that's making a quarter million dollars a year doesn't like that your $50,000 a year house across the street looks the way it looks. And now they start passing ordinances that affect your life, but you don't make enough money to start doing the landscaping and putting in all of the, the roadways and the sidewalks and putting in all of the things that the ordinances now require so that your neighborhood looks the way these new people want your neighborhood to look because they want it to look a certain way. Um, and you end up getting driven out of your neighborhood and out of your home. Okay, so, so that's not really an ideology. That's more or less just... Well, the ideology a, comes in where they start to create, they want it to look the way they want it to look. They start bringing their opinions of what things should be to your community. Well, I mean, it's it's anybody's gonna. If you move to a neighborhood and then people start moving in that degrade the community, that makes the person who takes care of their place upset. This is just happening the opposite way around. It You're is, having, and it's you know called I mean? gentrification. It's, and it's not a bad thing, but we talk about gentrification as if it's bad in the city. This is where I'm talking about. So they rail on gentrification in the city. Yeah, that destroys historical sites and how it disimpoverishes people and it ruins communities that have been there forever. But then when we do it out in the rural area, it's we got to get these rubes out of these neighborhoods. They're ruining everything. They're destroying this community and they're just disgusting and they're gross. Literally the exact same thing that they fight against in the city, they do intentionally in the rural areas and tell everybody to shut up. And this is what I'm saying, this conflict of ideology, this conflict of thought, 
where they know it's the exact same concept and they know they're doing the exact same thing, but in one place it hurts them and in the other place it helps them. So it's all about them. So, so you have gentrific- you, rural gentrification. Gentrif- okay, urban gentrification, bad. Are we talking about, did we jump ship there? Are we talking about gender stuff now? Or are you just you, talking about your house? Do you not know what gentrification is? I, what's I gentrification? I, I, might have jumped, I did jump ships there. Gentrification is when you basically drive up the value of an area. Okay. Um, so a lot of people complain. So um, greatest example of gentrification ever was probably Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Became a hipster real estate trend. Everybody was going to Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, we're going to Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was, was not great. Uh, but there was a lot of um, old poverty in Brooklyn. A lot of it, um, Italian-Americans that have lived there for generations. A lot of Polish-Americans that have lived there for generations. That came over in the great migrations of the early 1900s. Their families have been established there for generations. And they worked in Manhattan or they worked on Long Island and they lived in Brooklyn. And then all these big money people from Manhattan started saying, I don't want to spend money on the same old apartments in Manhattan that cost way too much. I'm going to build all new buildings in Brooklyn, and we're just going to take over and drive these people out of their homes. And that's what gentrification is. Now these people can't afford to be in their homes anymore. Now those people are moving down here doing the same thing. So the values start going up, the taxes start going up, people can't afford to keep their homes, and they get pushed out. And you create an entire generation of people that are forced out of their homes because of all of this money pouring into their community. That's the same thing that these people from New York are doing to rural areas, whether it be in Nevada, whether it be in... Am I screwing this up? Or is that no, right? you're right. Yeah, you're okay. absolutely right. doesn't matter where it is. We're using the Poconos as an example, but it happens all over. My wife told somebody in, in Alabama that we'd love to move down there because we love certain areas of Alabama, and they got real serious. And, you know, my, my wife goes, are you guys okay? And they're like, don't you, don't you Yankee our Alabama. Like, they, that's, they, they are terrified of New York coming to Alabama. Because they know what they're going to do. And then, and then once they start passing the ordinances, they're going to start getting into the local offices, and then they're going to start passing education reforms and, and start doing all the stuff that we see that now we're fighting against. So a lot of these areas are trying to stop it because they don't want to end up where everybody else is already at. They want to stop it before we get there. It's just a morphine of, of humanity. It's, it's just almost like it's just what happens. Well, it's class warfare. It's not what just happens. No. It's class warfare. And you've got very different classes that are forcing themselves together. And it's, it's creating strife. It's creating struggle. And it's going to happen. And I'm not saying it's... it's well, but, because pe- places get overpopulated and then it's almost like it, it's just... Well, the problem is, is there's no time. It happens too fast. These things are fine if it's done in a controlled manner. There's a reason why we don't just have open borders. There's a reason why we control immigration is because you have to be able to acclimate. If you're moving into a city, you need to be able to acclimate to the culture of that city. If you're moving into a rural area, you need to be able to acclimate to the culture of that rural area. And that takes time. You can't do it in a year or two. It takes generally at least a generation. You need to raise your children in that area and learn the culture and become a part of it. It doesn't matter which direction you're going in, whether you're moving from a low affluent to a high affluent or the other way. Um, But right now, we're seeing mass exoduses in all directions with no time for there to be acclimation. So there's just ingrained natural division which leads to strife which is not a good scenario no matter what you're doing that's I mean, a, that's a, a difficult of, situation because it's not really necessarily anybody doing anything wrong it's just i mean it's not like a it's there's there's not evil intent behind it no no it's, it's not it's that's, it's that's what makes it uh not the best thing no, and then what, what then what, what do you do so 
So then, then you know, it's not. Is it is it really fair to t- to tell somebody then? Well, you can't move here because you have too much money. No, you can't. And you're tell messing somebody up they our real estate anywhere. prices. That's not what they're saying. The people that have lived there are benefiting. I, I realize they're losing their community, but they're benefiting because of the increase in real estate values. So now you've have, you know, where they could have lived their entire life. Maybe their 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 house might have doubled in price now their house is going up four to five times in price. So, I mean, they are gaining some kind of benefit from it. I realize that they're losing their hometown and things Jimmy, are changing. I will say if that was the case, then why I, is nobody ever happy when it happens? Well, I mean, that's kind of what's happening, right? You're telling me Not the real really, estate every, Almost every are going single up. scenario, there's a reason there's words made up for this. It's because you're causing people to lose their homes. So most times what's happening is they start driving up taxes. And you don't lose your home because you gained so much money on the value of your house. You lose your home because you can't afford your taxes anymore. So, well, but if you lost, if you're losing your home because your taxes go up, you probably your your homes probably went up substantially in value. Maybe. I can't believe that the two of those don't go hand in hand. I mean, Jimmy, you can say that all you want, but time and time again, people are fighting against this. If that was the case. I mean, you would have to think there would be happy stories coming out of this, but there's not. So if you own a $100,000 house and, the, and it goes up to $200,000, you made a $100,000 profit, where are you going to go? Where do you go? That was your home. You had it paid off. Where are you going to go? You're going to go to an area that's more affluent? Well, you still can't afford a home there with $200,000. So are you going to be in your 60s and get another mortgage to buy another house? Are you going to start renting? Are you going to try to go further into a rural area and find someplace else? that's less expensive and start over in a new town where you don't know anybody that doesn't have a big economy. You know, you had your house paid off, but your taxes keep going up. That was your retirement plan. Well, so you're, so the argument is taxes shouldn't go up. I mean, no, but, but the reason taxes go up is so you you get these people, you get people come in, right. right. And there's an expectation of standard of living. So now they want to build new schools. They want to build new resources. They want things to be like it was where they were. So, and, and, and so, they go, they start running for local office because they, they want to make change. And then that's what always happens. And they get into local office and they start saying, well, you know, I, I don't want to live in a town with one of these old schools. We need a new school. This town has not had a new school in you. You know, there's no reason we can't spend $100 million to up our facilities. You know, now you go down south, your school tax bill for like a $300,000 house is like 1200 bucks. So you go up to North Jersey or you go into Connecticut for a three hundred thousand dollar house, if you can find one, your tax bill is like fifteen grand. So these are very different things, and you need to have the social, you need to have the economic diversity within the community to support that type of tax change, or else people don't have. If you're making fifty thousand dollars a year, going from fifteen hundred dollars a year in taxes to twelve thousand dollars a year in taxes, that's food. Mm-hmm. You can't afford yeah. that. So. As you start spending money like you're all making a quarter million dollars a year and ignoring that the community moved into is filled with people that don't make even a, a, you know, a, a third of that, you start exacerbating the issue. So that this is where this always comes from, this divide. And then it continues and it continues and it continues. And obviously the people with the money are going to win. So you end up with the working class and the poverty class getting worse as gentrification causes them to, you know, and the longer they hold out, the worse their situation is because then they end up in a lean situation where they're behind on taxes. You know, they end up now they're in a court battles, you know, with no money to fight them. Like, it's, it's not a good scenario. Like, I know, I know you want to put a positive spin on it, but it, it rarely ends well, except for the people that see the writing on the wall early and have a plan. 
But, you know, people that plan on dying in their house, those are the ones that get hosed because they get left behind. And it's, it's not, I'm, I'm a big progress guy. I'm not saying it's all bad. What I'm saying is it doesn't usually end well for the people that were originally there. And it's not all that different. You know, it's, it's, I guess it's part of our tradition. Maybe they should yeah. offer them some scissors. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what we do to indigenous peoples in rural areas? Yes. <laughs> Before we drive them off their land. Don't take the blankets if you're in the Poconos. Yes. Don't take the blankets. <laughs> Look, we got to take a break. We're way over time. Yeah, we really jumped ship. Here yeah, too. we lost track. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> All right, were, they so, your, were they your only two in the city? Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, they weren't the only two in the city. So what were you going to say? Back to guns. Oh, yeah. Guns. So you've been oddly quiet today. <laughs> About what? Guns. <laughs> no, I was talking about them. Then you guys started talking about gentrification and, and real estate. We started. We, we got spicy. It's we really went down the real estate path here. We did. So it's back to you, Tyler. Sorry. We got we got off track. This is what happens when you don't have an agenda. It's, we didn't just break it. We just didn't even make it. We just skipped it. <laughs> what do you want to talk about with guns? Well, I, mean, I don't know. Well, there's so many things. Because I mean, guns is such a hot topic right now. I mean, you can talk mass shootings. You can talk police shootings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this whole topic came up because we were talking about the uh, the stat unarmed uh, African American men that were that were, that were shot killed. in America yeah. averages ten per year, mm-hmm. I think nine like nine to twelve per year. I think in two thousand eighteen it was ten. I think in two thousand seventeen it was nine, something like that. Um, but the misinterpret I saw a study that was interviewing I think it was on like a, like twelve hundred people where they asked they asked them their age their gender their political affiliation and one question besides that how many unarmed black men they thought got shot per year. And it literally followed the political line. So even, even conservatives, if you ask conservatives, they were like, I don't know, the hundred. Like it was, it was still high. Um, but then when you got into the moderates, I mean, they thought it was like, like one to 5,000. And when you got to like liberals, they thought, like some of them thought it was over 25,000. They thought it was, it was like, like basically the population of a small town was getting mowed down. Like, like cops were just shooting anybody with, with, you know, chocolate skin out there that they could find, just, just mowing them down and just covering it up. Like, that's what they thought. It's almost like a Nazi, like a... a yes. Constant, like, it's, they're just it's, it buzzing was, through. It was Schindler's and, List yeah. and just happening all over the place in <laughs> central Jersey. And then when they would tell them that it was nine, what do you think the response was? Uh, that's fake news. Yes, they wouldn't believe it. They refused to believe it because their preconceived notion based on no fact was far more valid than the actual crime statistics. So I don't know how do you have this conversation about guns when nobody will even believe the actual stats. Uh, it's, it's a tough conversation to have, and I've tried. Uh, but it's, I think you said it earlier, it's all stemmed in fear. Fear of, fear of firearms. I mean, I didn't grow up around firearms. We had a 2200 house, but it never came out of my dad's closet. Like, it was just a... Uh, an antique he had bought okay, uh, for my grandfather. And that was it. Never, I maybe handled a gun three times before the age of 18. Did you uh, have BB guns? I had BB guns, okay. yes. So I guess kind of. Uh, but for me, that's not really a firearm. It's not, but But it's, for it's a, a trainer thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a practicing. It's a practice thing, but I had never, device. I mean, not until maybe I was, it, the couple of times when I'd go out to my grandfather's, I shot a couple twenty twos, but it was like, that was it. Um, but my own curiosity and wondering why people saw these things as so bad. And this is coming from someone who's you know, had a family member commit suicide with, by gun. Oh, like wow. they were demonized in my house from a very young age. Uh, that was like when I was seven years old. Um, 
So it was always this kind of, even, I mean, my mom is terrified of guns. Um, but I had my own curiosity, so I started going out and figuring out what these things actually were. Were they really as bad as they said? But, you know, I explored my own fear and found that they weren't. And now I think guns are cool. Well, I mean, it's funny that you, you brought up suicide. So what's what's the stat? Thirty, About 30,000 gun deaths in America per year, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Well, no, 33,000 gun deaths. Yeah. 33,000 gun deaths per year in America. Now, two-thirds of those are suicide. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's. Do we have a stat resource for us? Go ahead, look it up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run through these, and you can check my numbers. We said about. So two thirds of those are suicides. So that brings us down to about eleven thousand. See if you can keep up with me here. Now, of those eleven thousand, I believe about five hundred of those are accidental discharge deaths. So that takes us down to ten for accident. You're mishandling the gun. You're, you're cleaning it. You didn't clear the chamber first. Whatever. You just did something stupid. Um, that brings us down to about ten five, and then of that. Ah, uh, there's another 500 that's something wonky that I can't think of right now. Um, come back to me on that one. I'll come back to it. So, but it's about 10,000 firearm deaths in, in the United States per year. That doesn't include, and we're the only nation in the, in the world that includes suicides as gun deaths. Nobody else does that. So we've got about 10,000, which, okay, so now that we've got a number that's usable, what is that 10,000? 90% of that 10,000 Ninety percent is, is handguns. So only about a thousand deaths per year from rifles, and that includes assault rifles. That is not a real thing; that's a made-up term, but includes those. Um, and of those ninety percent that are pistols, almost all of them are gang-related inner-city um, crimes. Almost all of them. And in Chicago alone. You're not looking at an entire city. People talk about Chicago. Now, you realize that the gun deaths that happen in Chicago are a 20-block radius. So this, mm-hmm. is not, this is not a city problem. This is one area. It's a cultural problem. This is one area of Chicago where almost all of their gun deaths happen. It's about 20 blocks. You know, that's like where the mob was at. Like where <coughs> the mob was concentrated back in the day. So it's like that whole area holds those mobsters as like a conic... Um, like heroes almost. Well, so now they're like, well, they're like, yeah, now it's, it's gangs. It's, it's well, it is gangs. gangs now, but that's like really like, that's where, where the mob was birthed out of almost. Right. So it's, so it's not even like, it's crazy when you look at that pocket and you look at all the gangs that are located in those, in that area. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's and, and Chicago's kind of crazy. What, what did you find? Uh, this is from Pew research. So I don't, I was kind of trying to read through it, but, uh, so are they, they gave us any numbers here? Yeah, tw- this is 2020 numbers. So 54% of all gun-related deaths in the U.S. were suicides at 24,300. Okay, so they've got some higher numbers. Yeah, this is just 2020. Okay, uh, okay. 43% were murders. And that's 19,400. So 535 were unintended. Yep. So 20, Law enforcement was the other 500. That's so we have about 20,000 deaths that are... So you take out that thousand for unintentional. Unlawful. Twenty thousand murders by guns. Is that what that's saying? Undetermined mm-hmm. circumstances. I don't know what that is, but I don't. So yeah, I don't know what that So you're looking at roughly what about eighteen thousand total deaths? In twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. On these stats. Uh, just without yeah, without that, you're looking at twenty one thousand. No, no, about eighteen thousand, because you had nineteen three eighty four were murders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. you take out the roughly 1,500 for yeah. unintended law enforcement and undetermined. Yeah. And you're down to about, about roughly 18,000, rounding up to 18,000. Mm-hmm. So nearly 8 in 10 
involved a firearm. Oh, so those are all murders. Those are not firearms. These are different, different stats. So this is this is now this part of the section is looking at what all what murders and suicides included a gun or involved a gun. Yeah, but this is saying the same number, nineteen three eighty four. So yeah, because same, that's what this so is. this was all murders. This is not all gun murders. So this is there were yeah. fifty four deaths that were attributed to not natural causes. Yeah, basically, or, or not, not fifty. Um, whatever the total number was. But 19,384 of those deaths were not suicides. And about 18,000 were not suicides or unintentional or undetermined or law enforcement related. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 18,000 total. All right, so we're probably still on target with the numbers I gave you. Yeah. Yep. So they're saying one in eight. So of 18,000, that leaves you know 80% of them were murders. Okay. Or no, it included a firearm. Okay. Think, yeah. Well, I don't know if that number doesn't mean a lot to me right now. No, like, I know. I'm trying to figure uh, out. Like, man, they feel like they're describing this in a really terrible way. Yeah, like they're all over the map. Um, but I know we have what about six? We have about somewhere around fifty, forty thousand deaths by at car accidents a year, right? That's, I'm, that's I'm pretty not similar. sure. That's a that's, good. It's a pretty similar number. It's somewhere in there. Is that it's, how many it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like thirty or forty or forty thousand. So is this giving us anything we can use, or is this just talking us in circles here? Pew uh, research is usually pretty good. Yeah, and that's why I kind of went to them first. Yeah, they're uh, not. They're not they're so we're trying to figure out what, how many. So this is all gun-related deaths here. 54% are suicide. No, that's not. That's all murders. Now this one here is all what share of U.S. gun deaths are murders and what are share oh, suicide. Okay. This is what share of all murders and suicides. So it looks like it went down gun. in 2020 because it used to be 66% were suicide. Now they're saying 54. Something like that, yeah. Okay. And then how has it changed over time? So, so there see, were 45,220 total gun deaths in 2020. Which well, is 2020 is a bad year to look at. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot of you know, extenuating circumstances there. Really? In 2020? It was no, maybe not. No, maybe not. No, maybe not. What was different? Kind of <laughs> I stayed at home a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how did it, so is there anything on here usual or I'd rather look at like 2018 or 2019. U.S. gun suicide and gun murder rates have increased in recent years, but remain below past highs. So this is 1968 here. And this is 2020. So in 2020, we had about 18,000. So like the nineties were kind of, well, that's rough. murder, death, kills. That's the thing that, that a lot of people don't talk about either is we've been on a downward trajectory for about 20 years. Year. Up until, you know, according to that, up until about 2000 and, and up until the recession, really. Once the recession kicked in, which, you know, economic prosperity definitely leads to less, mm-hmm. less need for guns. Mm-hmm. It's, um, but I think that's, I mean, look at that, 70 suicides peaked in what, 77? Yeah, that's crazy. Around 77. Murders. Murder rate here is the highest in... 73. The 90s sucked for murder rates, too. Yeah. I mean, suicides, there's not much you can... I mean, look, suicides happen in all cultures. Mm-hmm. I mean, different cultures have different fascinations with suicide. The Japanese love ropes. They love hanging. I don't know or, what it is. Or stabbing themselves. Or stabbing with themselves. Which I don't yeah. know how common that is. I don't uh, think it's that common. But a normal person in, in Japan, they, they hang themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that one whole forest where everybody goes to kill themselves. Yeah, knives is actually China. They stab themselves. China. They, they get stabby-stabby in China. Yeah. So it's like different cultures have different ways. But they still have very high 
like very comparable suicide rates. They just mm-hmm. don't use guns. Yeah, it's a cultural thing and what they use to, to kill themselves. I think um, England's big on pills. Yeah, but see, and that's always my concern with the the gun thing is people will say, "Well, you make suicide easier because there's a gun." But I've I've always seen as someone who's convinced themselves to kill themselves, they're going to find a way to do it. Yeah, I mean they're they're at a, they're in a state of mind it where makes they don't suicide live. easier. Are you kidding me? That's that's kind of more I'll make that statement. I don't know. That doesn't. Yeah. That's that's I don't think that's true either because if you look at comparative suicide rates between cultures we're not we're not really that much different than other mm-hmm. westernized countries. Yeah. It's it's gun control and suicide has, shouldn't even be in the same sentence. No, they're not really related. If you're going to kill yourself owning a gun isn't going to change that. It's not like ah oh, I wasn't going to kill myself but I have this gun. Yeah, dang. Like you now know, if, I guess if I, I if I just had a gun I I end it. Man, look at Wyoming. Get out of here. Well, I mean, I feel like there's some skewing there because of population. I mean, I guess they're doing it per 100,000. Yeah. It's age-adjusted by state. Look at that. Louisiana, Mississippi, Wyoming. What was the point? We we talked the other week, and you had brought up a statistic, and um, I was curious. I think it was... Which statistic? Um... Well, it was like of like these these kind of these mass shootings. Like, how many of these mass shootings are really like occurring? Because I mean, they get they get headline news for well I, for half a year. So you got to understand, they're they're not that common. But what's really disturbing is how we count um, um, shootings at schools. So there are st- if, if if a person sits in the parking lot of a school and commits suicide in their car, that's a school shooting. A school shooting. If a person across the street from a school has an accidental discharge of a firearm, and it hits the brick wall of the school, that's a school shooting. Yeah, that's. Just... Um, anytime anything is in any way, shape, or form related to a school, they count it, which seems ridiculous to me. That's that's just trying to intentionally skew. No- skew no- that's criminal activity. Well, it's Again. it's definitely like, I don't know if it's criminal, but it's definitely well, why wouldn't it's it be? manipulative? It's it's criminal. It's because it's the, it's a flat out lie. And what they would say is, well, you can count it however you want to count it, but we don't have the national narrative, so that's that's the problem. What's what has it got here? I'm just trying to to look at how it's classified. Like, um, so I was talking about school shootings. You're looking at mass this is just shootings. mass shootings in general, how they're they're defined. Okay, so mass shootings are tough because most mass shootings are gang related. Right, and that's but the the media will say there have been, I don't know, two hundred mass shootings in the last six months, but they're they're. When you say mass shooting to me, it's, uh, carnage, right? Yes, it's not like like the Buffalo grocery store. There, that's yeah, a mass shooting. There was a shooting in Lancaster at the, at the mall a couple months ago. I remember a that. guy pulled a gun to shoot another guy, and he ended up wounding two other people while. Uh, good guy with a gun shot him. Uh, but that was classified as a mass shooting because there was three or more injuries. Yes. Uh, and nobody died. That, and that, and, but that didn't fall under the heroic shooting category. We don't have that a, guy. We don't have guy a, who a category it. for heroic. See, and that's, you won't ever see that stuff in the media. Uh, I mean, you just, do in the new media. It's not, there are that, certain strains of media, but not in the corporate. Media. It doesn't get the same kind of coverage that you would see. Like there just after, I think it was after the Uvalde one or, there was a woman in West Virginia who took out a guy who brought an AR-15 to a party yep. to shoot people mm-hmm. up. He didn't get a shot off. Yeah. And just there was a there was a woman in Philly. That's not newsworthy. There was a woman in Philly who had a pistol in her handbag, and um, a, a disgruntled dad who lost his kid in a custody battle came to a bus stop and pulled a gun out to take his kid from his mom. 
and she shot him four times. Mm -hmm. She put him down, kicked the gun away, and stood over him until the police got there. I think he lived. But uh, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna hear that's that. not newsworthy either. No, there's a newsletter I subscribe to that releases every single day. There's stories like that. Well, it's actually a stat is defensive gun use. I think it's something mm -hmm. like five or six hundred people per year get killed by lawful gun owners defending themselves. So it's actually about as many as police shoot. It's about the same amount. This is a subreddit on um, Reddit that I follow. And there's pretty much a story every day of a person who used a firearm to protect their home or their, you know, their The life. newsletter I'm in releases a new story every single day. Yeah. So there's definitely one mm -hmm. every day. Um, and they're harrowing tales. Like you read the story and most of them too, the lawful firearm owner tries to give them multiple chances to go away. Like yeah, you read the stories and they're like, they, they told them they had a gun they got them out of the house and closed and locked the door and they fought their way back in. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they did all the things they could do before they finally opened fire. Like, it's not like, you know, Susie Homemaker comes running out of the basement with a 12 gauge just blasting off rounds. Like, nobody wants to do this. Well, and that's, I think that's one way the, the media tries to, media always tries to portray a gun owner as this vigilante who just wants death and destruction. Like, come to my house, I'll put you down type stuff. Like, that's what everybody's wishing for, but nobody in the world wishes to do that well that's because when you hear people over talking at the bar that's what they're saying <laughs> i mean sure you know what i mean that's just uh, like, that's what bar are you going the, to Whenever <laughs> <laughs> you hear when you hear people talking and they open that's how they are don't come to my house i got guns you know what i mean so so that's oh, i don't know i don't say that <laughs> yeah no i don't oh, there's no. plenty of people that say that yeah, I'm sure there are, but they try to vilify gun owners, just everyday gun owners, as these these people have these fantasies of, of murder and all that stuff. Like, come through my door and I'll put a hole in you, type stuff. And it's that's not the case at all. Uh, it's just people who uh, rural communities. Well, there should be nothing wrong with saying that. I mean, either that's like to me that's well, not. Do you, do you own any firearms? No, you do not. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, I would. Why would you? Why would I own one? Yeah. Well, I feel like I want to own one now because I feel like things are becoming restless. And now I feel like I need to have one because I feel like, you know. So self-defense. Yeah. Okay. Like more, more so like for my house. Okay. You know, do I want to carry in public? I don't know. I don't know that I'd want to carry in public because I just don't think, you know, if you have to draw in public, I don't think it's going to end well. I, I, that's where training comes in. Yeah. That's where training comes in. And personally, I think if people were carrying in public, you wouldn't have to draw as often. Well, somebody's far less often to pull baloney if there's people standing around with, you know, mm -hmm. hip holsters. Yeah. The other side of it is if you're, you're in public and you're carrying, you're not, depending on where you're at in the situation, let's say you're in a supermarket, right? <laughs> and you know, there's an active shooter. You're not going towards that shooter necessarily. No. It's a run, hide, fight thing, right? Yes. Run, try to get away. You try to hide and you have that gun there for, if that, that if person shows up, fight. if you're forced to fight. Yeah. Now, in some situations, you might be too close where you're forced to fight right from the get-go, like you're at the cash register or something. Or you might have people that are too close. Too close, And yeah. you're drawn in because you, you can't not be involved. Right. But, yeah, and I, I mean, I can't say current events don't have me spooked to the point where I think about it. Well, know? the problem is uh, a lot of private places like a supermarket won't allow you to open carry. So even though a state is open carry like Pennsylvania, that doesn't mean Walmart is open carry. They still get to control their own environment. It's a private property. So they can say, yes, Pennsylvania's open carry, but Walmart is not. Please leave your firearm in your car. So that's where you can conceal carry if you go into a supermarket. But that's where concealed carry becomes important. If you want to be armed in a place that doesn't allow you to be armed, you have to conceal. 
Yeah, and a uh, big important note for Pennsylvania is signs posted doors do not carry the force of law. No, they do not. So, like, Park City technically has uh, no gun policy, but you can walk in there and you can't get arrested for it. You can be asked to leave, and you must leave at that point. And if you refuse if to leave, now you're, trespassing. now you're trespassing, and now you're breaking the law. Yeah. But if nobody asks you to leave, like, Sheets, I believe, has a no firearms policy. Uh, I, that I don't know. I don't remember if they... I don't know. But I walked in. I actually I was, I was carrying because I went to the range, and I had my, my holster on, and I forgot. You ever forget? It happened to me. And I walked into Sheets to go get a sandwich, and I didn't realize I got back in the car that I I, I, I had my Glock on me the whole time. Nobody said anything. Was it, like, in the open? Yeah. I open carry. I don't, I, don't have, I don't conceal. I do. I do sometimes, but not usually. Usually, I'm either carrying or I'm not. I, re- I have no problem with with people having guns you know i get worried like i think about it at school events and i'm always scanning but you're more and likely not to at find that point in time i'm hoping people have guns yes but you probably you know? won't find legal or law-abiding firearm owners having a gun at a school event because it's a school event no. it's illegal to it's carry a, a gun free zone and you can get in major trouble if you get caught with a no. firearm in a gun free like zone. felony and you're never getting a gun again yes in prison time so, I mean, I never carry on school property. Nope. Shouldn't. I never have it in my car on school property. Nope. Anywhere that's, yeah, uh, government buildings and stuff. I was trying to pull up, an, yeah. there's an app that I like called Legal Heat. It's on my phone. Uh, but that has all 50 states, like, regulations and stuff. Um, yeah. It's, and it's a shame, too, because I agree with you. Like, I, I would feel much safer at a school event if I knew lawful abiding. Lawful citizens were armed. That way, if something were to happen, I knew there was recourse. Wouldn't have to wait ten minutes for police to show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if people um, knew that there were that, if people didn't know that there were not guns at school, then they wouldn't be going out. target. That's a soft yeah. target. Well, that, and that's really what the argument is about arming teachers and hardening. Look, after nine eleven, we started the TSA. We hardened our our airports. We hardened our government buildings. I, I know. I, well, that's TSA is a different <laughs> conversation. But we at least tried. We, we, Give it the yeah, old college yeah. try. Um, and we, we, we tried to reduce the ease with which those resources could be used against us. And now we have a similar threat. We have a problem. Now, it's not, I don't know how they compare, but we have a threat that concerns us as a nation, and we all agree. So we need to harden those targets. And I know you opened with saying we turn them into prisons. I don't think that's what this is. I mean, I don't agree with that. And I definitely don't agree with that if they're armed teachers. I think if you've got educators that are committed to children that are, are trained, like somebody like myself, who is a responsible gun owner who is trained in firearms and who is also a teacher, I, I think you've got a win-win right there where you can kind of added layers of protection in the school where you're not waiting for the police to get there. You're not waiting for them to set up a perimeter and for them to decide what they're going to do. You're not waiting to see if they follow their training and an hour goes by and kids are getting shot. You've got people in the building with personal relationships that are already ready to respond. I I don't see how that's a problem. My first thought, you know, in the situation (laughs) out of Texas is, you know, man, if this teachers could have had weapons, you know what I mean? If there could have been guns somewhere, like it couldn't have been, you know, maybe minimized, like, but it's, you know, other people are like, oh, there should be no guns anywhere. I, I just don't, I have, I just think different. I think the opposite way. I, well, I mean, which I know that most, uh, you know, half the people do, I, I believe more than half the people do because if more than, if, if less than half the people wouldn't think that way, they wouldn't have to push it so hard in the media. 
So I think it, these these issues get pushed so hard in the media because they don't necessarily have the support that they want, and then that's that they just make it out to be a, you know, banning stuff never works. It never works. Didn't work with alcohol. Yeah. Oh no, I think the drug wars went pretty well. The drug war went great. I'm glad we won that one. It's, I mean, you know, banning stuff never ever works, and we keep going back to this well. And really, you think banning something like guns is going to go better than the war on drugs? I mean, there's no way that goes well. You're going to end up with an entire illegal arsenal of guns in this country. The only people you're going to affect are the ones who follow laws. That's it. Absolutely. 98%, 99% of gun owners. And then I'm sure, let's say you're... Well, I mean, there might be a couple that don't follow laws, but... Yeah, I mean, they're going to turn in their guns or... My experience is most gun owners are very responsible. Well, that's the th- you have to be responsible. I don't it, think I've ever known a gun owner not to be oh, responsible. I, Unless I they're a legal yeah. gun owner, right? I don't know any illegal gun owners. Which, well, I, only know which I was just going to say, like, depending on what neighborhood you're from, like, you know, we can you, you can sit here and have this conversation and say that I think my neighborhood is safe because of the fact that probably every other house has a gun in it. Probably at least every third house has a gun in it in and my neighborhood. Each other? I know that. I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's a, a pretty good statistic for where I'm at. So I'm assuming your neighborhood is but, nothing but sandbags and turret enclosures and all of your neighbors <laughs> yeah. firing pot shots at each other over walls? Yeah, I mean, that's how it happens, that, right? I think that happens when I'm asleep. Oh, okay. I don't hear it because I wear... <laughs> <laughs> I, I plug my ears. I, I don't. I don't understand what these people think is happening. With well, in, in the inner, maybe in an inner city neighborhood, it's not. You know, every other every house has a gun, and there's mass there's shootings all the time. You know, so I, I guess I still would say it's not the legal gun. Exactly. Right yeah, that's what I was it. just gonna say. So like, yeah, it's I yeah I I don't know. I feel like we keep we're stuck in a circle of conversation in this country, and I I don't know what the solution is. I would like to see some sort of non-registered training i would like to see that because I, I will say that i think for young young gun owners going through we, we require to get a driver's license you know I, I would like to see that i think that would help um i would like it to not be state run you know i, I the one i recommend is the nra training and for some reason people hate the nra i don't really understand I, it i hate the nra people hate the nra but they do a great job they have i mean they're they're the biggest uh force for gun safety uh yeah it's kind of changing but uh they really are though I mean, right now yeah they have the most certified instructors and stuff yeah and they do a phenomenal job i've taken two of their courses and they're they're, they're yeah they're they, good classes yeah they do not mess around i mean they're serious about what they do i mean i don't you know instead of vilifying the people that are trying to make guns safe you know work with them i, I don't understand that this division this this hate is disturbing well i heard that when I was out before the show, I was listening to it. It was a, a news, a couple, it was a news, I think it was out of like Australia. I don't, it might've been, it might've been Europe somewhere, but they were talking to somebody out of the States and they were saying about, you know, we need harsher gun laws and that they, it might've been in Britain that they passed some gun laws that they couldn't have. Britain doesn't have any guns. Okay, they so they so they said okay, so they said well, ever since they took away gun laws, we haven't had any 
shootings in schools or and i don't know you know what no the they, facts have a, are they have a very serious knife ton of stabbing knife problem okay it's, i mean i don't yeah. know what their stabbing stats are but i know they're off the charts okay so yeah so that's just ridiculous then for the for the the news anchors to even have the conversation then well no you're but, just shifting and and i mean there was there's been mass stabbing events <clears throat> matt the, the the biggest one i think i've ever heard of was china wasn't there something no. like 119 people Hey, yeah, there was a dude who was running down the street or something like that. Just right? stabbing everybody. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you, you, so you can't sit there on the new as a news anchor and say, "Oh, they took our guns away, but we don't have any more shootings." When your stabbing rates are going through the roof, well, like, what, but it, it's, it's just ridiculous. Gun rates you know? came down, stabbing rates came yeah, up. So, all part of an agenda, but it all—it's called nobody wants to address the reality of it. It's the person. It's the intent of the person. The only common thread throughout <laughs> history has been man. Man has always killed man mm-hmm. right we've always fought wars we've always murdered each other but it's just been different tools but nobody yeah. wants to address that it's it's the tool that's <clears> doing <throat> so we take away all the tools somebody will still kill somebody because yeah. we have hands so then what we'll, we'll head cut off our hands and shove our thumbs in their eyes and headbutt them to death exactly yeah. well, that happened before too yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's i i I, I, if you keep sidestepping yes. the real issue, with, which stab is, them or smash their skull with a rock, and you know, it's like one of my push them off a cliff. Simpsons did that. It, it was it was something about if you look it up. Simpsons, um, aliens, uh, stick nails with stick. Well, hey, on this on this uh, on this uh, news show, they were talking about. Whether or not, uh, maybe don't play it. But yeah, maybe the age of the board with a nail in it so large. <laughs> it's, it's just talking about it's like the nuclear war. It was like, ha ha ha! We've given the humans a board with a nail in it. Well, how will that hurt them? Not today, but soon there'll be a board with two nails, and then an even bigger board with more nails, and eventually a board so big with so many nails they'll destroy them all. And it's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> I don't know why that stuck out in my mind. But. <laughs> so anyway, so the, so the so the news reporters who were talking to the guy, and they said, "Well, what what's you know what about changing the the age of ownership from eighteen to twenty one?" And the guy sort of kept sidestepping it, and I noticed he was sidestepping it, even though like I saw I didn't I didn't really know how I felt about it, so I'm interested to know you know your guy's opinion on well, this going is where from I eighteen dovetail. to twenty one. I dovetail. I don't like extending the age of adolescence. Period. I don't even think alcohol should be twenty one. Um, I think anytime you extend the age of adolescence, you just lengthen the period of, of immaturity. So mm-hmm. we want to, we want to encourage young people to become functioning adults as soon as possible, which means once they're ready, we need to give them responsibility. I, I, I would say, and this is going to be a half measure, so don't beat me up, but I would say my training concept is at 21, you can buy a gun without training at 18. As long as you take a training course, you can buy a gun. And that's where you keep it at 18, but if you want to buy it at that age, you have to go through the NRA training course and you have to show. What do you do with kids who grew up around guns and are more efficient with a gun than what an NRA training class would be? Well, if this, they grew up around guns, they probably already took the training class. And, well, that's why. and, you can and, does, and does the kid necessarily have to own a gun at 18? Like, what is the So what is the, the fetish with uh, at 18? I want to well, this I hate so you I mean, did I it really, that, that I approach mean, to the conversation. It's not a fetish. I, it, it's like, definitely not. Well, I but it, does it really matter? Like like kids that aren't that are eighteen years old are still using their parents' gun or whatever. I guess if their dad if their parents don't at have 18, a gun, at eighteen you're out of the house. You're out of high school. You're going to get an apartment. I mean, you're joining the military. You're coming back on leave. You want to go to the range. You're an adult as far as this society is concerned. You, you want to go hunting? 
You know, like you're, you're not living with your parents anymore. I mean, maybe in your house they are, and maybe my older brother was there until he was 30. And I don't have guns, but, so my kid wouldn't necessarily have a gun, but right. I could go to the store and I could buy a gun. My kid could use that gun. I would feel comfortable ha- owning a gun, and and I don't know how, like I don't know those specific roles. Like my 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 nephew hunts and stuff, so, you know, he uses his dad's guns. So How old your nephew? Um, my nephew's young. He's he's uh, eighth grade. I mean, he's been hunting for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, my nephew's about Many, to start hunting, hunting with his grandfather. I know plenty of kids that have been hunting since they're, you know. Yeah, so my very, nephew's about to start young. hunting. He's 13. Um, now he's going to use his father's rifle, but as soon as he gets through all the training courses and everything, mm-hmm. his dad's going to buy him his own rifle. Now, it won't be registered to him. It'll right. be registered to his dad, but it'll be his rifle for him to use. Right. So then they'll have to go through, they'll have to transfer the rifle over to him when he, when he turns 18 and he can legally own it. But that's happening all over the place now. Like kids that grow up with guns own a gun. They just don't have it registered in their name. My son mm-hmm. owns a gun. Yep, my daughter He's does nine. too. My daughter's nine. She owns a gun too. That's not in her name. It's in my it's, name. It's in my name, but he, it's his gun. What, what did you get him? Uh, tw- uh, 20 gauge. Nice. Yeah. And so one of, so the thing they said, well, at eight, so the guy said, well, at 18, they can join the military. They can go off and they could go die and fight in war. So why couldn't they own a gun? And then their argument was, well, they're being, they're being trained under training. You know, they being, that's what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. So to get them through some training. So look, what I really want, it seems, just, it seems like a good compromise. And I didn't say it because I feel one way or the other. I just was curious what you guys would just blindly extending the age. And then what if somebody who's 21 goes out and buys a gun and choose a place up Then we make it 24, then what 27 then what 31. We're still not dealing. And then it's like, dealing with the core. I mean, there, there was so as soon as they're old enough to drink, we're going to let them buy guns. Exactly. Here's a beer and a handgun. Have a great time. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense, but you're not dealing with the issue. Yeah. I mean, we, licensed we, firearm dealers cannot sell a gun to anyone under 21 anyways, a uh, rifle, a handgun. I'm sorry. Handgun. A handgun hand cannot gun. be purchased under 21. That no, was a so rifles. Was so and this guy bought obviously rifles. He to bought shoot a, he bought rifles, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, we didn't even talk about the fact that Canada banned uh, guns. They banned yeah. all gun purchases, but look at Canada now. Yeah, Canada's a mess. Like I, I, I don't know what Canadians think about Justin Trudeau, but I, I know their truckers don't like him. <laughs> so, uh, Canada's a big rural place. I, I I think with the exception of Toronto, Vancouver, and maybe Edmonton, I don't think he's very popular. Um, but you know, you gotta understand, Canada's small, and almost all of their population lives within fifty miles of the United States. Yeah. It is not a, what do they have? Thirty million people. So. Yeah, we have states bigger than Canada. Large but small. Right? It's huge land wise, but population wise, it's you know basically a big U.S. state. So you've got a very different thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Okay, I was a little low. Um, so you've got a very different thing going, and it's also much more homogenous than the United States. They're they're not nearly as diverse of a population set. So yeah, I think California is bigger than Canada. I believe. Uh, Texas is bigger than Canada in population, I believe. Uh, is that what you're looking up? I was just trying to see. Uh, well, just look up U.S. states by population. Any of them over 38? They win. <clears throat> Boom. Google knows what you want. Oh, California no, California's the only one. So Still. Basically, it's got a population of a little bit less than California. So Texas is creeping up on it. Look yeah. at Florida getting big there. Look at the drop off from New York to PA, though. Yeah. 
Like you go, 39 million, 29 million, 21 million, 19 million, 12. It, it yeah. Just, it just plummets. It just plummets. So, <clears throat> I don't know. So what were we hoping to accomplish today? Uh, nothing, and we accomplished all of it. We did really well. I, I think the best part of the conversation happened in the last 10 minutes of the <laughs> podcast, so if anybody hung through that opening debacle, um, congratulations. We got to call this. We're way over time. So I love you, buddy. Love you, brother. Everybody, have a great day, week, month, whatever it is there where you live. The Broken Agenda Podcast. Sponsored by Laughing Rock Technology.